Welcome back, perfect peeps, to Perfect.dev. Today on the show, we have Daniel Rowe. Hello, Daniel. Hello. Joining us from across the pond. Hopefully, it's a little warmer over there than here. I hope so. <laughs> I, I don't have good news for you on that front, I'm afraid. Oh. It's, a, it's a blustery evening, and it's been a blustery day. Yeah, um, it's been a little crazy same. here, too. Um, but it's March. What, what are we going to do? Yeah. Anyways, today with Daniel, we're talking, uh, the title of our talk is creating a better view with Nux. So a little play on words there, but obviously, uh, we're talking about, uh, Vue.js, but specifically on more of the server side, it's something new to me. So Daniel will probably get a lot of crazy. I, why, I don't know why he's asking these questions. So, so Daniel is actually part of the the core team on Nuxt, um, and there's there's a difference there, right? Like, there's core team community and core team sponsor based or, or core member. How does that work? So, there's I mean, there's a huge community of people who um, who help out with with Nuxt. Uh, we and and in lots of different roles as well. So we we think about the um, contributors as being a, a pretty wide group of people. We also have ambassadors who are particularly uh, recognized for their work in in um, making Nuxt accessible uh, to the wider world. Uh, within the the uh, the team of contributors, we have maintainers, uh, people who are responsible for particular parts of the project. So uh, maybe modules that are particularly well used. Uh, and then we also have a framework team, which, is, which who are people who work directly on the Nuxt JS framework core. Okay, I'm I'm part of that, uh, and um, and and recently actually I've I've started working for Nuxt as well. So, it's, okay, that was that was going to be my big question: was are you working for Nuxt or are you kind of working uh, on the side and doing this for fun and free? Well, I'm absolutely doing it for fun. <laughs> you're you're right on that one. Uh, my my previous role was as CTO of a startup, and we we used Nuxt as as a core part of our infrastructure. Um, we built our, our app on it, and you know I I, I loved loved using it. It was a fantastic um, time saver and um, accelerator for us. And you know I, I always wanted to to give back and help out, which I I did I did alongside that that role. And uh, when sounds- they- Came to be part of the the team at Nuxt. It was uh, it was a dream come true. Yeah, I was gonna say it sounds like you uh, you got to give back in the best way possible and become part of the team. That's amazing. Yeah. That is um, true. what was that like when you kind of were able to make that transition? Uh, were you just getting better acquainted with the the team there, or was it you were submitting so much to the framework? They said, "Well, we should bring him on." How did that look? So I. Uh, do you know the the transition? It's not like it was some kind of a cliff edge or a huge yeah. huge adjustment. Um, I guess I was working quite closely with uh, with the team anyway. Um, that that their friends, um, you know, sh- sharing a vision, helping out other people. When the opportunity came, and I was starting to think about uh, what 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 was next, um, it, it dovetailed very nicely into uh, into what Nux was looking for in, the, in that moment in time. So it was. So Daniel, yeah, that's really great that you're able to uh, to kind of join the team and, and get on to the Nuxt project. But for many people, um, you know, that are just getting started into front end web development and and development in general, um, or web development, I should say, um, 
when we talk about like Vue.js, can you just kind of set the tone for what we're about to talk about and, and kind of describe what, what is Vue.js, what framework that is and what does it mean to you? Sure. So the first thing I think of when I think of Vue.js is that it is a declarative JavaScript framework uh, as opposed to an imperative framework. And that may not sound that much clearer. But yeah, it, it was, I've heard that often. I always have to Google it and then like re-remember what that means. Can you break that down a little bit? Absolutely. So uh, a declarative framework uh, sets out what the relationship is between data and DOM. So how, how uh, does my information affect the, uh, what the browser is displaying? So I'll say, well, you know, I want the user's name to go here. And I want when you click this button... Uh, to change the user's name. Uh, and, and then that's all I have to do. Uh, from that point onwards, I've declared the, that relationship. And whatever happens, if the user's name changes, the HTML will change too. So it is quite a simple way. Uh, it's quite, it can be quite logical. You can think of uh, it basically prioritizing your data. So as you make changes to your data, the, uh, the DOM reacts, the HTML page changes. And it's very easy to create interactive websites for that reason because you can just use uh, conditions and you say, well, if the data is like this, then I just show this button. Uh, and if it's like that, then add this class and, uh, and make it glow and, and so on. Uh, and so that, that's the difference. That, that's what declarative is. Imperative is if you say, if you have to write everything out. So I want to go and find the button that has this ID, and then I want to add this class to it. Uh, and then I want to add an event listener to this button. And if that happens, then I want to do this. Um, and so, so it's it's more verbose and it's a lot harder. It's a lot more work to write all that extra code. So, so the, you, like the, the first part sounds very like Angular. I'm used to that. And the, the second part to me sounds more like native JavaScript. Is that a good way of kind of differentiating? It's, it's, it's a good way of, of differentiating it. I mean, the reason these frameworks exist is to abstract a lot of that uh, mm. boilerplate out uh, and to add extra optimizations that maybe you wouldn't be able to do on your own. So it's not actually like they add um, had, had a, a performance overhead. They, they just make it simpler and easier to work. And, and that's not unique to Vue. So the same kind of um, declarative uh, model that I'm talking about is also true of, of React, as you say. Uh, Angular, I'm less familiar with. It's uh, it's true of uh, Svelte as well. So uh, it's, it's, it's a great way of thinking uh, and coding because you're, you're able to represent your, your logic uh, with your interface. So that, that works really well. Is it similar um, to templating, like in HTML, like you have a template tag? Is that kind of what we're talking about? It's a superpower template yeah. because exactly. So it, it's a template, but a template that stays in sync um, and only updates the bits of the template that need to Okay. and keeps track of state along the way. So, you know, e even when you, you do update uh, an element uh, in the DOM, like maybe a, a, a text input, you don't lose the content of that. Uh, it's still so retained. What do you use for state management? So you can manage state within... Um, so so uh, Vue uh, operates on the concept of components. So you, you'll... I mean, you, you could put everything in one big component, but you might probably break it up into little pieces that represent logical parts of what you're coding. So you could store state within a component uh, if it corresponds to that particular component instance. So for example, you might have a, 
um, an input, a form input, and it keeps track of its own state. Um, or you might have a bigger piece of com a component, which is more like a, uh, a user profile, and it keeps track of lots of bits of information. You can also have global state. So there's something called Vuex, and there are other ways of, of storing data globally. So it's often used for things like user interface. So if, if you have a modal showing that maybe it's not unique to one bit of your app, you want to keep track of it in several places and consume it in several places. Uh, and you, you can store it globally too. The, is the UX the standard? UX is, is absolutely, it's, it's a, you can use anything. So view isn't, it doesn't force you to use any one thing, but there is a first class set of view core uh, components like view okay. router, which governs uh, client side uh, route, single page app routing. There is uh, view X, which is state management. Uh, and there are, there, there are others as well. So it's, oh, it's very cool. yeah, view X is the official state so management. So taking like all these these nice view pieces, and I know developers love view. I feel like it's a very popular developer framework. I don't know if it has quite the the not backing, but kind of the build up that React and then Angular and those frameworks who are a little older have. But I feel like view is taking all the good parts of those, and they take from from view too. Like it's back and forth, but. Um, they were starting to kind of take all those good parts and put it into view, which I, I've really enjoyed watching and, and seeing the, the growth of it. But then kind of came, yep. Then, sorry. Then, then kind of came um, the, this next evolution, right, where we went from like these, uh, these applications that live solely in the browser and we're like back to this state of we need server-side rendering and now you have tools like Nuxt and Next, and which they shouldn't have named those so similarly, but uh, like all of those, uh, Angular Universal, those are kind of the, the next pieces. So how, how do you take like the need for a view application and start to realize, well, I need this in more server side, so I should use Nuxt. Is it one before the other, or do you immediately say for a, an evergreen uh, type of implementation, you always just go to Nuxt first. Can you kind of break that down? Sure. And there's lots there. Okay. To talk about. Sorry, think, it's a long question. <laughs> no, no. I, I th so one of the interesting moves that uh, you've alluded to is this move from static server-side generated HTML, which is what you traditionally think about, you know, your, um, your old WordPress um, or, or your old EJS um, templating um, page you, you sort of render it up in your node server and you, you send it send it down the line to your browser you consume it uh, and if you submit something it sends a it sends a, a request to the server and you get a fresh full page um, or you, you click a link and again the same thing happens uh, and the move from that to client side to this um, progressive web app uh, concept where um, it was much like a rendered application and you you have changes of state and view that don't correspond necessarily to uh, just different pages of the, the site. It's not like a document, it's like an, uh, an application. Uh, and now we're talking about, well, we, we want to be able to render that application in an in interactive way, but we want, want to just serve full HTML in the first instance. And, and you're right, that's not just, uh, that's not just Nux, it's other frameworks as well. Um, 
And by the by, I'll come back to it, but uh, Nuxt isn't just for, doesn't just do server-side rendering. You can write a fully client-side app in Nuxt too. But, um, but, but, but why would you want to, to do something that's server-side rendered? Um, for me, I think it's mostly about performance and, uh, and user experience. So when you have a, a server-side rendered app, you can do a lot of uh, really clever things. So you can embed all the CSS that's used above the fold or indeed on the whole page within your initial response. Um, you can, and you can, of course, fully render it, which means when the browser receives those first few bytes of HTML, it can start rendering them straight away. So it knows where the button is going to be. It, it, it knows what color it's going to be. It, it's, it's all there. Uh, what you ha have is the HTML arrives, it displays on the screen, and then you start to load the JavaScript, which hydrates that HTML, makes it interactive um, and, uh, and interesting. And, but before that point, it's still on the screen. The user can see it and um, can consume the content. So read it. Uh, if there are links, they can click them. Uh, they, can, they can interact with it. I mean, the whole thing is taking place in milliseconds. So it's not like a lot is going to happen in, in the gap. But what you do have is this sort of immediate, it's there. There's not a loading spinner. There's not a white screen. The site loaded, as far as you're concerned as a user. That's a phenomenal thing to be able to have for an app. And, and then basically, you have no downside because at that point, you now get the full client-side uh, progressive web app that we're talking about. Uh, from that point onwards, it's an app, and there are no more requests to the server other than to load JavaScript bundles. Maybe if they if they're um, you split your bundle up uh, to optimize performance, there might be some extra bundles to download. And so that's the only request that's going to happen, not uh, full HTML at that point. Cool. So um, you get the best of both worlds. And I think that... I wouldn't compare it to the uh, server-side apps we used to have that, that were full HTML on every request. Yeah. It, but it's, it's a bit like a hybrid of the best bits of that world and the best, best bits of the new um, JavaScript app. Um, so there's, there's like two things that immediately come to my mind every time we talk about uh, server uh, SSR, server-side generated. Um, when, when, uh, when you talk about like Angular Universal in the early days, um, and somewhat today, if you don't do it right, uh, you used to always get this immediate like full page, and then a white flash, and then that kind of rehydration piece in there. Does Nuxt have any of that, or is it is it easily um, unrecognizable? So like the screen comes up, it's got the full payload, and then it does the other bits as it, it continues. So Vue is really uh, good at uh, at hydrating a page, and it doesn't get it. So nothing changes. So the DOM elements all stay there; um, they don't go away. There's no white flash. Uh, what what happens is simply that Vue attaches itself. So um, event listeners are set up. Um, the browser now knows that when certain things happen, it it, it has Vue handle that for it, and then Vue handles that and changes and and takes care of diffing the DOM. So when, when bits of it need to change, you will do that. It won't update everything. It will just update what needs to, to change. Perfect. And in the new view, view three um, release, that's got even better. Um, so does that I use a virtual DOM similar to react? So yes, there's a, yes, it, there's a virtual DOM. Exactly. So there's, there's a JavaScript object, which, uh, or, you know, a, a object array, which yeah. corresponds to all the different tags, um, on the page and so yes you can traverse that that virtual dom and then and yes that 
that matches the, the the real DOM on the page. But it's often a lot faster to make changes to a virtual DOM, so a JavaScript object, and then render it rather than have to uh, every time you make a change, it has to update the HTML element. So that's that's the that's cool. a, a key performance. Yeah. Um, so the, the second piece, and I'll continuously keep going back to Next because we've been using it for our site, and I, I feel like I'll probably, I don't know, run out of analogies at some point. But um, when, when, we, when we talk about Next, um, they also include something called uh, Next Link in there. So um, if we have you know a, a blog page that comes up and we have our most recent uh, posts in that, let's say, if we use the next link on all of those, it actually says, okay, I'm, I'm going to load up that page. We're going to hydrate it, but I'm also going to start preloading all of these other pages so that once I like click into those, we don't have to, you know, kind of rewrite this entire screen again. We don't have to like go through all this stuff. It just immediately kind of clicks over and renders. Is that the same thing that's happening on the next side of the house as well? Yeah, so there's a uh, so view router provides a, a router link component which Nuxt um, takes on board and extends and adds some extra features to, and it's called Nuxt Link. Um, so yes, it, it does similar things. So for example, when that link enters the viewport, uh, then it can fetch the uh, the JavaScript bundle for the next page, so that uh, when you click it, it is instantaneous. Uh, it's a, it's a great great experience, and yeah. you can do that. You can, I mean, you can you can set, you can tell individual links not to prefetch the next page or uh, so on. Lots of lots of features around that, but again, I think that gets at why um, why this sort of JavaScript based app can be so performant that yeah. uh, you you click that link and it's so quick that yeah. the next page is ready. I mean, it, it's 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 mind-boggling. I think I, I still remember when I first discovered um, this kind of framework that it was just it felt effortless. You know, it's magic how fast it was compared to you know HTML pages back in the day when when you know you click that that link and it goes white. Yeah, it has to go back to the server, do its <laughs> thing, bring all that back to the browser, do the yeah. whole rendering again. Yeah, it's fantastic. That kind of goes along with routing a little bit. So how does routing work in Nuxt? Do you have like a page-based routing system? Good question. So if you're using Vue, uh, you, uh, just pure Vue, you might probably be using this hash-based routing, which is where you have um, you know, your website and then a hash, uh, and then your uh, uh, route goes in the fragment after that hash, um, which works for purely client-side apps because there are no different pages on the server. There's just the one file which is serving everything. Um, although you can set it up if you have the right server and you can configure it correctly. Um, but uh, Nuxt uh, uses the uses view router as, as well, but uses the uh, the history mode. So um, we have the full, we have what looks like a full URL, lots of slashes, um, no hashes, and that's, that's something you've used on a particular page. Um, so it, it, it looks... Um, so yes, it's it's um, it's the kind of routing exactly you're you're, you're looking at, um, and Nuxt handles that on the client side and on the the um, on the server side. So if you request the route a deep route, then that will um, the the right page will come back. Um, now Nuxt actually sets does it automatically for you. So when you add uh, pages to your uh, view components to your pages directory, they get turned into routes. 
uh, and automatically bundle split. So basically, you will create different Webpack bundles corresponding to those different pages. Um, so if you, and, and we'll infer the name of that page from the name of the file. So if you create a pages about view file, that's your about page. Uh, and index is your, your homepage. And, um, and you can have dynamic uh, parameters that correspond to, you know, a, a user ID or a location name or something like that. And it can get quite complicated. Uh, if you do need to take a full control of it, you, you can do that too. Um, create your own, your own routes uh, or, or whatever. But basically, when the user then requests a route corresponding to that, Nux knows exactly what page will handle it. Uh, and uh, we'll serve just the JavaScript files required to render that page. And then as you navigate from that point onward on, on the app, the bundles corresponding to the other routes start getting downloaded uh, as, as needed. So I, I think, on the, the, again, on the next side of things, they have kind of a page-based, but they also do like a, a permalink, or not permalink, a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a, like a dynamic link uh, reference to. Is Nuxt capable of doing kind of those dynamically routed items as well then? So, yeah, yeah. So that, that dynamic parameter, um, you, you, in, it's a little bit different from, from Next, which uses the square brackets. Uh, Nuxt yeah. uses, um, and at least Nuxt 2 uses an underscore to indicate a dynamic parameter. So you, you would have your underscore ID or underscore slug.view, and that is your, um, your dynamic um, your, your uh, dynamic parameter. Uh, or just underscore dot view is a sort of catch-all that covers everything okay. uh, and will catch every every possible um, version. Um, uh, slashes, no slashes after that point. So, and, and yes, and then that gets, that's, that gets pulled in. Uh, I mean, even just for that, uh, Nux is, is quite useful because if you're trying to set that up on your own uh, with a view um, project, you will have to manually uh, create the dynamic imports in your um, root router file. Um, you'll have to add the webpack comment that's going to give it a, a useful chunk name so you can debug it well. You know, it's 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 a lot of boilerplate that you, that really nobody needs to do. Yeah. And, uh, and so yeah, next next cake takes care of that. that no thanks you. for webpack config. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, they're, they're new kids on the block. Webpack 5 is is incredible. Like there's yeah. some really exciting things about that and implementing that in Nux 3 has been huge fun. Stuff like on-demand uh, compilation or module federation, uh, and it is insanely fast. Um, but there are new kids on the block too. So we're using uh, Vite uh, in, uh, it's available in Nux 2 and it's in Nux 3 as well. Have you, have you come across Vite at all? Only in SpeltKit. So I'm, I'm big okay. into Spelt and I've seen uh, that they switched from using Snowpack to Vite. Right before they release the beta, it's it's a it's a different paradigm, isn't it? Uh, for yeah, I mean it's to... so fast, faster than your brain can think about. Like reloading, it's reloaded. It's crazy fast. It's really cool. Um, that sort of having the browser do the, the the module resolution and decide what it needs to, to to see, and then the server just has to handle that rather than have to do a big build in advance. And that 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 feels feels really nice. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I forgot to put on our list, but it's kind of been interesting to me. So as I did a little bit of research on the the Nux side of things, um, I'm a huge proponent of TypeScript, and I noticed on on Nux they have like 
the main nuxjs.org site, but then for TypeScript, it's like, from what I can tell, it's almost a completely different subdomain happening in there. Is that like done on purpose or because TypeScript came later? Can you talk a little bit about that? So historically, uh, you're right, that's that's just the history of it. Um, Nuxt uh, is at the moment written in JavaScript uh, not, rather than uh, TypeScript. And TypeScript support is added with a module, uh, which we totally need to talk about because modules are one of the unique things about Nuxt. Um, but uh, so TypeScript support was added uh, with, a, with a module. And, uh, and so the, the site you're talking about is, is the, the site for the, the TypeScript module, which is a core part of Nuxt, but it is a separate thing that you would install. Nuxt 3 is written in uh, TypeScript. Um, so there's not going to be that sort of uh, divide. Um, and, and it's worth saying that TypeScript support has been improving in, in Nuxt itself. So uh, you can now write your Nuxt config file, for example, in TypeScript. No need to install anything extra. Um, Nux, there's a Nuxt types package, which is part of the core uh, core repo. And um, But you're right. It does seem a little odd to have a, a subdomain for TypeScript integration. Um, it, was, it, it was interesting going through the documentation. I'm like, where is TypeScript? And then like Googling it, it drives to the subdomain. I'm like, oh. Okay, <laughs> so it was it was a little odd. That's that's interesting, and in, in my case, good to hear that that will be part of um, Nuxt three point Is that? I mean, I, I, exactly. I'm a big fan of TypeScript too. It um, again, it's a sort of opens your eyes. It it, it helps you so helps me so much. Helps me um, yeah. avoid mistakes. Um, the auto completion is incredible uh, to be able to. To, to do that and uh, and have have a, a little bit of of, of validation of, of my yep. code, particularly when refactoring. I, I don't know about you, but uh, totally. to be able to to move things around and then have my compiler um, squawk at me until I I, I fix <laughs> the bugs I've introduced. So yeah. it, uh, it's yeah, it's great. I drive Brittany crazy on uh, coding cat with our TypeScript. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not um, as big of a fan, but. I'm it's funny because I feel like there's like this whole TypeScript conversation occurring now with like all these tools that are coming out built on Rust and things like that. And then, you know, Rust is a hundred times faster and then it will be, but TypeScript's 160 times slower when you're using it. So it's like, oh man, <laughs> like there has to be this happy medium that we can find somewhere. Um, hopefully the, the ES modules and uh, all the greatness of ES will, will kind of take care of that eventually. But one day we'll get there. So you, you kind of said something that piqued my interest a little bit um, as far as modules in Nuxt. Can we break that down a little bit? Um, is, is that like modules in Angular or is there an equivalent that I can wrap my brain around that a little bit? So um, modules in Nuxt basically exposed everything about Nuxt uh, for customization. So uh, you can think of Nuxt as um, having several different contexts so there's your webpack context or your, your app context where your code runs. Um, and, uh, but then there's also the, the Nuxt context, which is the, uh, the, f the framework itself. So everything from what happens when I type Nuxt dev, so the, the command line through to um, customizing what the webpack config is or um, how compilation happens or what, how, how the files are served um, so so it, it, everything from server to command line to um, creating the config to um, the template itself for what the Webpack app is going to even look like. Um, so it's it's um, 
so that Nuxt context is where modules operate. So they can inject things into your app. Um, so they can add functionality uh, by, by uh, using a templating language to actually add, add files or uh, modify the files that you've created in some programmatic way. Um, but they can also um, interact with existing components in the Nuxt system. So the fact, for example, that you could add TypeScript, full TypeScript support to Nuxt by writing a module is, uh, is, is, is phenomenal. It shows off some of the, the functionality of um, the ecosystem. When we wanted to add a Vite support, um, we wrote a module um, rather than changing Nuxt itself. Um, other amazing modules uh, have been written to do everything from integrate with Google Fonts <laughs> to um, uh, add sitemap support or um, robots.txt generation or stuff to change or optimize your images um, or uh, even integrate with uh, image providers. We have a, a new module about to come out, not, not yet released, uh, called Nuxt Image, which, okay. uh, which does some amazing stuff. Um, not just with uh, providers that already exist, but even ships its own um, self-hosted provider that uh, anyone can use for their own own site that enables incredible um, dynamic uh, image generation to match the needs of your app. Um, oh, that's interesting. Really cool. But so, yes, and there's a, a huge uh, module ecosystem. There's a, a website that has uh, some of them uh, called uh, modules.nuts.js.org. And you can, you can browse through and see some of the things. But basically... Uh, everything about Nux is exposed to these uh, module authors, which means you can build some amazing things. That, it sounds almost um, like a plugin, like Gatsby uses the plugins. Is it similar to that? That's why I was we have. <laughs> so uh, that would be a good word to describe it. Uh, I mean, in Nux, we also have uh, a, another concept of plugin, um, which, which means we wouldn't use we wouldn't we wouldn't use that word uh, in in the Nux world. But it's a perfectly good description of, of what's going on, exactly. Okay. That's really um, interesting. It's, it's cool that they have like a full site for modules specifically because I feel like at one time Next.js had kind of its own plugin repo and, and everything else beside it. And then they kind of merged that back into the core. And I feel like it's really lost steam. And for things that you're describing specifically, um, like we're, we're just looking at kind of creating our our sitemap uh, dynamically and things like that. And it'd be like, man, I, I wish there was just a module for this, but yeah. um, something that, that I'm running into is that would also be very difficult in my mind too, because if you have like dynamic static sites that you're creating and then you have, um, you know, server side rendered stuff that you don't want in there. Like there's so many iterations for like a module to hit in, in Nux to go through that. Um, that seems like it, it'd be, quite difficult to create a module that would uh, allow that to, to, I don't know, exist, I guess, and, and be written well enough to take care of your entire sitemap like a WordPress does or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I, there are challenges. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of curious, um, again, just from, from what we know on the SSG and, and things like that, when you host a, a Nuxt app, is there the capability to do some of the nice regeneration things for the static sites and SSR? What does a common app or a larger app look like for that? So, um, yeah. So in terms of, so obviously there's, there's this uh, static site generation 
that you're talking about, which, uh, which Nux does. So you can uh, build, you can create your app and then you can render it fully as HTML. So, uh, so server rendered at, at build time effectively, and that can then go up uh, anywhere on uh, any static host, um, S3, uh, wherever, and, and be served. Uh, Nux also has a, a sort of server mode, so you can run it as a node server. So anywhere that would, that would run, you can um, have a, a live server that handles incoming requests. Um, and obviously with server cache and, and stuff like that. I, I noticed there was, there was kind of, during the CLI, there's a question that says server or static. And it threw me off because I'm like, well, I want both. So is that yeah. a story that Nuxt can still handle? Like some pages are server side, but some are static? So yes, yes, that's, that is something Nuxt can do. So currently, uh, the Versal builder, for example, does that. Yep. So we have a uh, Versal runtime where you can uh, pre-generate some of your pages uh, but serve the others um, or the or or anything dynamic from the run from the actual lambda function, the serverless function, um, and and people can implement that pattern themselves. But it, it that's a little bit tied to the the hosting provider, so you have to have a server uh, that can can handle handle that. Uh, but yes, that's possible. We've we've actually so I mean that's possible right now with Nuts two as is. Uh, but with Nuxt uh, three, so Nuxt three is the the is the next major version of of Nuxt, which was originally started just to support Vue three. But basically, in building this and in, in and going back to the drawing board and bringing some new innovations in, we've actually ended up making quite a lot of significant changes <laughs> to um, to and creating new new modules and new functionality that we're now backporting and bringing back to Nuxt two. Uh, even um, before Nux three is out, uh, and, and in particular, um, in answer to your question, we have this new f- server rendering framework called Nitro, which uh, completely supports this hybrid mode of some pages being um, being statically generated, some being dynamic, um, some pages being statically generated but still accessing dynamic data yeah. um, that's being returned to them by um, sort of dynamic API routes. So uh, there, there's lots of very very exciting. Things coming with that, and it runs on Cloudflare workers and Dino and uh, all sorts of places that you might not normally be able to to run a traditional node server. That's exciting, yeah. With Dino one uh, oh or version one, I, I think uh, coming out, that's pretty pretty awesome. All those different stories that you can tell. Um, I'm going to pause here. We we might have to continue, but uh, let's do our perfect picks now in case Brittany has to go, and then if there's more, we can kind of loop back around. Cool. So at this time of our podcast, we always love to do something fun called Perfect Picks. And Daniel, you were kind enough to put your Perfect Picks into the actual outline already. So I am going to bring those up now. The first one you have should be on our screen now. So uh, Windy CSS is um, it's, it's quite a new project, uh, and it's, it's, it's really exciting. So they're... they're um, they're pioneering some features uh, that, uh, uh, so, well, you probably need to know what uh, Tailwind CSS is. So Tailwind CSS is a fantastic framework um, for, I, I think of it primarily as setting a consistent CSS configuration and then enabling you to access that configuration with, um, with 
class names that are, are standardized. Um, Windy CSS has a complete has a different approach at compiling that uh, those class names. So it does it on demand. So there's never any extra uh, CSS compiled. Um, it uh, it has some new syntax, which is which is pretty cool. Um, but the main thing that you'll you'll love about it is the speed. Um, but the the maintainers are doing all kinds of clever things. They just added right to left support. You can code in your dev tools, so you can actually just um, open up your your inspector and start typing class names, and your page will magically uh, look as it should. Uh, and you can do that with just adding a script from a CDN in the head of your page. It's 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 really amazing. You can you can that's cool. I actually just found out about this um, when Tailwind came out with their JIT, the just-in-time compiler. So is Tailwind kind of taking care of this package? like, in, Or is this still There's different? a little bit of a Twitter beef kind of going <laughs> yeah. between the two authors right now. So. I think, I mean, I think, I think that is, I, I, I don't know anything about the backstory, um, but I, I think it's great when there are different packages on the, on the scene. Um, yeah. Like that, that helps everybody innovate, doesn't it? Yep. Um, it does, yes. And so yeah. I, I think I'm sure Windy will make Tailwind better. And obviously, Windy wouldn't be what it is without Tailwind. So yep. I think um, there's lots of space for, um, for, for cross pollination and helping each other. But definitely check out Windy CSS. It's, it's, it's cool. Yeah, we love yeah. Tailwind. We use on Coding Cat. So uh, we'll we definitely keep an eye on this. Your second pick. So I think, I, I um, so this is this is how not to burn out. It's a, a blog article I read that I thought was really quite insightful, uh, particularly targeted at software developers. And uh, I mean, this is this is something that's true all the time. I think it is the danger of burnout um, because we we tend to be focused on perfection, getting things right all the time to a, a very high standard, and um, and that's maybe even more true when we are uh, working from home. Um, when there aren't clear boundaries between home and home life and work life and 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 what what um, when to stop and uh, have have I done enough and is what i'm what I'm doing good enough um read read the article it's it's really helpful even if you think well look i'm I'm in no danger of burnout and nothing in my life is um, um, is, is in, I'm, am I uncomfortable about I think it would still give you some helpful questions. And, um, and and maybe some some little um, there, there's some I think at one point there are ten ten signs of uh, ten stages of burnout um, might be quite helpful just to, to know what those are and and think if I spot some of this happening twelve maybe if I spot some of this happening in my life maybe that's a sign to to change something or, or consider some options and that there are some suggestions as well in the article for th- things that we particularly as software developers can do to um, to help so have a read. Um, it's something that I have I to tell you, if, if you made it through coronavirus and have not hit burnout, you were amazing. <laughs> so. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, your third pick, daily.dev. Tell me about it. So it's uh, daily.dev is, I just came across it uh, the other day. It's it's a collection of high quality um, developer blogs. So uh, they're, they're, they're curated um, and lots of interesting things there have a read it's a good way of discovering new content i think there's a, a danger that if you know you follow the same people on twitter maybe you see the same content all the time but yeah. people are coming up with new things and uh new devs are um jumping in and uh contributing and this is maybe a good way of discovering some of, of the new, new stuff out there i love that i know i like nice curated items cool 
Uh, Brittany, you are up next. All right. My first one, I went out kind of exploring and research for this podcast for how we could get started with Nuxt, and I found a Learn with Jason on it. So uh, go check that out. It's just a great way to get up and running with a Nuxt app. I almost said next. <laughs> I'm telling you. The name it's like, it's so close. It's so hard. Don't say no next and Nuxt all at the same Nuxt, time. Nuxt, Next, Nest. Is that the other one, Nest? Yeah, Nest is oh, one goodness. too. It's too many. I uh, I love Maya's um, Cloudinary Unicorn. I see this picture all the time. It makes me smile. That is Sorry. Cute. Anyways, your second pick. <laughs> and my second pick is GSAP, or maybe better known as GreenSock. It's a JavaScript animation library that I've been working with lately. And it's really simple to just, you drop in the CDN, you... Um, import it into your JavaScript file and then throw a class on something. And then you can start like modifying like how you want things to come in with just regular CSS. It's kind of really powerful how you can just add these animations in so easily. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. It's a nice, uh, nice framework. Or probably not a framework. I keep missing uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a Oops. touchy subject. <laughs> Library. Um, my my first pick is actually called uh, Uniforms.dev. Um, by the time this podcast comes out, there was another podcast we did with uh, Tim Benix, um, and he's actually a developer advocate at Uniform. And the mo more I've kind of dug into what they're doing, and um, especially in the, the Jamstack world, it's really cool. Um, hoping to get them on for like a full demo, but just know like they're taking all the parts and pieces that are all over the place with Jamstack and kind of putting the glue back together. Um, one of the, the products that they have, I find pretty fascinating. So I'm hoping to kind of get a, a full tutorial on it. Um, so I, I think they're still working to release this like more broadly, but you can actually take like an existing site and it will start to map that out for you. So I found that pretty cool. Um, the second one is called Stitches, um, who we are going to have uh, this person on to talk about Stitches very soon. But I thought I'd do it as a perfect pick uh, just to just to jazz things up as we go. So uh, CSS and JS is, is becoming more and more of a subject, if you ask me. Um, people are really tired of the kind of global top level CSS that cascades and messes everything up. And there's a lot of cool tooling that is coming out around for this so uh yeah check it out we'll put it in the blog well thank you so much daniel i really appreciate you coming out of the podcast and joining us and telling us all about next js and uh i hope we can have you on again soon we'll dive into next next three see you <laughs> again. absolutely it's been a real pleasure thank you for having me thank you Thanks,